Our second lesson today comes from the prophet Isaiah. I'm reading from chapter 52, the last few verses, and into chapter 53. We continue our listening to God's word. We open our hearts. See, my servant shall prosper. He shall be exalted and lifted up and shall be very high. Just as there were many who were astonished at him, so marred was his appearance beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of mortals. So he shall startle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which had not been told them, they shall see, and that which they had not heard, they shall contemplate. Who has believed what we have heard, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. And as one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him of no account. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases, yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have not turned to our own way. We have all turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's all quite a mystery, isn't it? We began Holy Week today. And we began by participating in this vivid story of Jesus coming into Jerusalem and the people gathering palm branches and shouting, Hosanna. We have it sung. We sing it. We participate in this ritual. It's even fun to close the streets and walk to downtown Richmond to join our partners in downtown community ministry and worship and have refreshments and wave our palms with them, even taking over this section of the city celebrating Palm Sunday. But it remains an enigma because we also know that Jesus' journey into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday on a cult is a major turning point in this story. Jesus is not heading to Jerusalem to take over the royal palace. Jesus is not moving into Jerusalem to become head of the temple. Jesus is heading to a fateful meeting with Pilate who oversees Rome's interest in this region, Jesus is heading to, we know the story, betrayal. Betrayal by the crowds who are even singing Hosanna on this day. He's headed to a brutal cross. In fact, he's headed to being ostracized out of the city and hung with criminals. This is Palm Sunday. It's also... Passion Sunday, when passion means the story of Christ's suffering, the suffering of Christ. 
See, ever since Jesus appeared on the scene and said, the time is at hand, the kingdom of God has come near, ever since he said those words, there have been several plot lines that have been developing all through that region where Jesus was teaching and preaching. Several plot lines that are operating underneath that plot line of the coming reign of God, the promised reign of God. On one hand, as Jesus spoke and acted, as Jesus healed and helped people experience the coming of this kingdom, momentum began to build among the people. They asked, is this the Messiah? They asked, could this be the one, the one that we've been waiting for for so long? And Jesus continued to spread love. And spread hope. And Jesus continued to give sight to the blind and help people hear. Hear the good news. And the momentum grew. So when Jesus moved from the region of Galilee, which is around the lake, and when Jesus set his face to Jerusalem, the center of political and spiritual life for the whole region, the anticipation and the excitement only grew more. And when he secured the cult and decided to enter the city in this way, these people, excited about the promise of Jesus' reign, especially as opposed to Rome's reign, which they were so tired of, they began waving their palms and shouting, singing, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They hoped that this indeed would be the one the one who would bring renewal to their lives and to their world. And then there's another plot line. Just as Jesus filled hearts with anticipation and excitement, there were others who were increasingly threatened by what Jesus was saying and doing. The way he taught went against many of the principles of the day, according to the religious leaders the way he spoke, the way he ate with outcasts and sinners, the way he reached out to lepers, this countered what many considered to be proper. And, and all this talk about the coming kingdom, this one who would redeem the world and bring hope and life, this kingdom that was at hand in him and his, his work and in his words, made all those who were allied to Rome most nervous because it was a threat to their kingdoms and their sense of reign. So while this palm parade includes shouts for joy and a procession of anticipation of the one who's coming in the name of the Lord, it's also, also, as you know, a procession to a trial the trial of Jesus by those who felt most threatened, and it's a procession to his death, death on a cross, as Holy Week plays itself out. So it's Palm Sunday, but today is also called Passion Sunday, as we begin the Passion story and the narrative of Christ's suffering and Christ's death. I'm reminded of those classic words from the poet Robert Frost who wrote the poem The Road Not Taken. Two roads diverged 
in a wood and I, I took the one less traveled by and that has made all the difference. This is something of what Jesus is doing on this day, Palm Sunday, Passion Sunday, choosing a different road to bring about God's different kind of kingdom. We have another passage today, and it's the one I read from the prophet Isaiah from chapters 52 and 53. These words also prove to be quite a mystery. Those who know a, bit of, a little bit about the prophet Isaiah might remember the so-called servant songs. There are four servant songs throughout the long book of Isaiah. This is one of those. There continues to be a rich debate about this text. Is this poetry about a person? Or does this reference refer to Israel and God's people? Is this a particular context for God's people? Or does it point to the Messiah? Even alluding to Jesus? Well, Bible scholar and theologian Walter Brueggemann says one of the great, quote, oddities of the Old Testament studies is that this very text that is taken to be abundantly rich and theologically suggestive is at the same time undeniably inaccessible and without clear meaning. Now, when you're reading a commentary and Brueggemann, one of the foremost scholars of the Old Testament, says this, it kind of makes you want to just quit reading altogether. (laughs) Inaccessible and without clear meaning, this passage. But there are some things about this text from Isaiah that make it a fine parallel for Palm, Passion, Sunday. Both texts are about humiliation and exaltation. Usually, humiliation and exaltation do not go together, right? People or things are about one or the other, humiliation or exaltation, but not both. I did a quick Google search of images of humiliation. Among the first images were from that most unfortunate incident in Iraq, the Abu Ghraib incident a few years ago. How could any of us forget the humiliation depicted in those photos from Abu Ghraib? Other images in my Google search were of Jews experiencing humiliation at the hands of the Nazis or another powerful depiction of two bullies and another little boy in a playground at an elementary school Most of us know a little bit about humiliation. We do. Enough to know we want to avoid it anyway. It's about losing self-respect. It's about stomping on dignity. It's about feeling abused. Humiliation is part of the poetry of Isaiah 52 and 53. In fact, verse 14 in chapter 52, quote, so marred was his appearance this servant, beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of mortals. This servant is not one of the beautiful people that our culture likes to lift up. As human beings, we have an amazing capacity to humiliate others. And Jesus, Jesus today riding on a colt into this city with people waving 
shouts of joy for who he might be, it's also, we know, a journey toward humiliation. He's to be scoffed at, beaten, laughed at, mocked, whipped, and hung on a cross. The other word here is exaltation. It's very different from humiliation. This same servant in Isaiah, the one beyond human human semblance, it says, is also the one who, quote, shall startle many nations. Startle them. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him, it says. They shall see him, and that which they had not heard, they will contemplate. The servant who is described as marred in verse 14 is the same one depicted as quite awesome in verse 15. And this juxtaposition between humiliation and exaltation runs throughout this passage. To be exalted is to be honored. To experience exaltation is, in common language, to be lifted to the skies, to be adored, to be held in the highest places and praises. Well, Brueggemann reminds us that the only way to move from marred to awesome is by the powerful resolve of Yahweh. So the theme here is both humiliation and exaltation in the servant song of Isaiah. And the prophet is speaking about the people. The people marred who were taken into exile around 600 B.C. by the Babylonians, carried away into hopelessness, felt beaten and forgotten. But, because of the powerful intervention of Yahweh, God's steadfast love, these same marred, exiled, forgotten, beaten people were exalted. They were restored by Yahweh. This poem is about the drama of God and God's people. Humiliation is part of life for all of us at various times and in various seasons, but in God's promises and with God's steadfast faithfulness, exaltation is also a part of our drama with God. Through the years, God's people and the church have lived in this same drama. And on Palm Sunday, we act it out again. Jesus embodies this drama in a powerful way, especially as His life gets caught up in the various plot lines that are swirling all around Him. He comes riding into Jerusalem, exalted by the crowds. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. And it looks at first glance like a joyous celebration. And in some ways it is. The Savior of the world on a colt with all the hope of the world all around Him. But it's also a procession of humiliation toward mockery and persecution and death on a cross because the religious and the civic leaders were not sure what to do with the Savior who was chipping away at their power base. By the time we get to Friday of this week, the people who were shouting Hosanna are shouting, crucify Him. Crucify Him. 
So we move today into the events of Holy Week from Palm Sunday into the Passion, the suffering, the suffering story of Jesus. And it's so much a mystery. And it begs the question, in which procession do we find ourselves today, this week, for our lives? What gives focus to our lives? We are easily caught up in the parade that celebrates Jesus. But we're just as easily caught up in the pressure and the power politics that lead us to desert Jesus. We do that when things get complicated. We follow the crowds and often choose culture over Christ. We often doubt that God can something new, especially something new in my suffering. We wonder where God is in our lives, in our city, in our world. Yet just like the season of heartache and loss for Isaiah and Isaiah's people, And all through the weeks of Holy Week, even the horrible ones, God continues to be at work, bringing something new, even through suffering, and especially through Jesus' humiliation. Other words of Jesus echo across this day. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Are we open to God? Are we open to God's ways pouring something new into our lives, into our ways of thinking? Is the world about power, like Pilate thought? Or is the world about love, embodied in Jesus' way, even suffering love? These are Holy Week questions. Holy Week questions for each of us. Do we get what we need by grabbing it and taking it from others and holding on to it for dear life? Or do we get what we need by giving and forgiving and following Jesus? These are Holy Week questions. Perhaps this week we can all open our hearts to this story in new and fresh ways. Think about what God is doing and see something special, the power of love, not the love of power. Let's gather around this table today and reflect on that, the power of love, not the love of power. Sacrifice and service, not personal gain and selfish pursuits. May each of us trust God's presence and trust God's purposes right where we find ourselves this day. And may we seek to follow this humble Jesus who stands for the power of love, not the love of power. May it be so. Amen. Let us pray. Move in our midst in fresh and powerful ways, O God.
We believe. Hope our unbelief. Amen.